Now let me tell you a story about a man named Jay Who was writing down some songs just to pass the time away He called up Dan and Nick and said, hit me up my dude So they jotted down some songs and the captain was a crew Diddy's daddy's sweet tunes Well, the next time they spoke, they sipped some wine and drank some beer And Danny screamed out, hey, I have a sweet idea Doing a podcast is the place we ought to be So they bought some microphones and became the IBC Dog snorting, parents screaming at the footy, forgetting to press the record button. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. No, just tricking, it's me, Jim Bob, back with another episode of It's the Vinyl Countdown. Wow, what a monster artist we have for you today. I can barely keep a lid on it. Absolute icon. But uh, who am I without the IVC team and our first special guest of the season? So... Plenty to be excited about. But uh, before we uh, explore any of that, we uh, have number 10 to drop for you. It's from the album America 3, and it is the song. Don't know that I will, but until I can find me A girl who will stay and will play games behind me I'll be what I am, a solitary man Solitary man. Solitary man. Woo! Man. Bit, of, bit of Neil Diamond to get things going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I will introduce you to the team uh, in chronological order this week. Uh, so our first guest, uh, she shot a man in Reno just to watch <laughs> him die. How are you, Nikki? Hello, Jamie Clayton. How are you? Yes, good. Thank you. What's been happening? Well, apart from shooting um, Old Mate in Reno, uh, just uh, the usual be bopping around town and seeing a few bands and uh, lots of birthdays and I've been skiing. It's all happening. Lots happening. It's good. Uh, Very, very, very nice. What's been pumping on your stereo this month? Oh, everything. Uh, Apart from our, as I always mention, our top tens that we do every week. I've had a big day today of actually listening to our our guests that we're talking about today, our artists, sorry, that we're talking about today, um, and got off into a bit of a tangent with um, some other well-known, um, I guess you'd say, American country artists. Yeah. I, I look, I could reel off a whole list, but I won't. But um, I'm excited to see that Julia Jacklin's um, got another gig coming up uh, next year. And excited about Red Hot Chili Peppers about to release their second album for the year. So, yeah. Yeah. Ah, sweet as bro. Yeah. Um, Nikki, just for you, number mm-hmm. nine from the America 4 album. A shot rang out across the land. The horse he kept running. The rider was dead. I hung my head. I hung my head. Hung my head. Right. That's a sting oh. cover. Did you know that? No, I was going to say actually, out of all day of listening, I did not hear that song at all. Is it really a sting cover? That's a sting cover. Yeah. Is, is that from the um, the last album that he did with the covers of? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Recordings, uh, yeah. That's the last. Yeah, the last America America album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I think that was my number one. Oh. Yeah. Not that it gets reduced because it's sting-roaded, but, well, maybe it does. I don't know. 
Controversial. Yeah. The Americas have featured heavy early. Uh, our second member, he were a carpenter and I was his lady. I'd marry him anyway and I'd have his baby. It's uh, Nate Franklin. What's going on? Not much right now, are you? Knew it. Uh, very, very good. Nikki. What, have, what have, you, have you Hello, Dan. Sound lately? Uh, so, like a lot of Johnny Cash, obviously, um, for obvious reasons. Um, like what a new song that I've been listening to that's been on um, a little bit of play has been Muse's new song, Kill or Be Killed. Anybody heard that? No. I haven't heard it. Ah. Real heavy. Like it's, uh, it almost pushes into the, the slipknot um, sort of thrash. Uh, nice. I think it's still still got a, like a very Muse sort of um, sound, but yeah, different. Again, Muse always do something different, though, I reckon. And uh, of late, I don't know why, but I've been um, listening to a bit of uh, Dogs Dying Hot Cars and Ryan Adams, actually. Jeez, oh, I haven't heard that name for a while, Dogs Dying Hot Cars. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? <laughs> I always go back to that album. It's really good. Very good, Danny. Choice as. Uh, a little bit of a treat for you, Danny. It's song number eight, and it's also from the America 3 album. It is... And the mercy seat is waiting And I think my head is burning And in a way I'm yearning To be done with all this weighing of the truth An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth And any way I told the truth and I'm not afraid to die. Mercy seat. Yeah. Uh, I love those American recordings. Uh, that's a Nick Cave cover for anyone who didn't know. Where greater people should. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Represent. Uh, okay. As promised, we have our first guest of the season making his IBC debut. I hinted last week at some of his uh, occupational resume. Did you uh, pick up what all they were, guys? Yep. Oh, I think I did. <laughs> he, it's been a he, while. He owned a diner. He worked at the docks for a while and he was a, 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 oh, yes, a of course. bit of a miserable astronaut at one point. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Top Cat Tom Canning. Welcome, Tom. Oh, good day, guys. Thanks, Paul. DC. <laughs> Welcome. Good, good to be aboard. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, now, as you know, uh, there's a bit of an initiation of being the new kid on the block. And yep. whilst uh, Smarty thought you should uh, have to recite Hanging Tough yeah. um, in its entirety, uh, cooler heads prevailed. And we thought we would just stick to uh, a few firm but fair questions. Yep. Um, Shoot away. All right. Let's see if you are IVC worthy. Uh, Tom, what was your first band shirt? Well, uh, I was a youngest of four kids, so a lot of my first ones were handy-downs. Uh, <laughs> and so the, the one that I remember mainly getting, and this only died this year about a year ago, uh, finally just went to dust, uh, is that uh, my brother went down to an ACDC concert. I think it was Razor's Edge Tour in about the early 90s. And he came home with this uh, shirt that said, Mistress for Christmas across the top. <laughs> and it was, it was Angus unpacking a girl in lingerie and her leg, just her legs are out of the present. <laughs> And he had this the classical Angus look on his face on the front of it. And our mum hated it. Like, mum was like, you cannot wear that shirt. Anyway, so 
Rod wore it for a few years. Anyway, then mum must have got the better and mum threw it in the rag bin in the shed, like to use up when we're mopping up oil and stuff in the shed. Anyway, I went to mop up some oil one day and I found the shirt in there. I was like, oh, I'm not throwing that out. So I put it in the, in the wardrobe and it became a staple for years. So, um, and even when I uh, met my wife, Maddie, I still used to, to wear it. And, and then uh, finally it just disintegrated about a year ago. So it was that early 90s. So it did a good, uh, you know, sort of t- uh, 20 or 30 years, I suppose. So Just as you were ready to hand it down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's vintage. It'd be worth a fortune now, but yeah. Well, worth the, worth the 30, 40 bucks it would have been bought for too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was it did well to last that long because some of the band T-shirts are uh, pretty short-lived, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing that's uh, from around the ACD, come on, come on, love me for the money sort of... Uh... Uh, just just before uh yeah no that was that was Razor's Edge wasn't it yeah it was yep yep, Razor's Edge so um Thunderstruck was the big one and then yeah 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 because I remember we loved it they had all the cassettes and he came home from this concert with like this like t-shirt and then he had like some books and all this kind of stuff and I remember sitting down in his room and just going through it all like couldn't couldn't believe it like uh loved it so yeah uh, very nice. I'll give that a little tick here and uh what's (laughs) something interesting you've seen at a gig uh, well, I thought about this. Um, I reckon uh, I, I sort of miss out on a lot of the festivals and stuff like that because of uh, being a winemaker. Uh, they're usually on in vintage time. So we're sort of working seven days a week around the clock at the winery. So, um, But I went back to 2006. Uh, I went to live in Vancouver in Canada for a year and um, saved up. You had to have 4000 bucks in your bank account to get your visa. Got into Canada, like we were trying to find somewhere to live. So we were staying in the dorms of the universities while the people were on summer holidays and uh, whittling through the money pretty quick. Anyway, I saw Pearl Jam were finishing their American tour uh, back to Seattle, but they the last show was in a place called um, The Gorge in, Seattle, in Washington State. And so um, I was with my cousin. Anyway, I said, oh, he didn't, wasn't into Pearl Jam, but I was like, I want to go to this concert. So we hired a car uh, and we <laughs> went to pick it up. And uh, it was about a three or four hour drive from um, Vancouver down, but we had to cross the border for the first time, like down in the States. We went to pick this car up thinking oh, it'll be like a little little hatchback. And it was a, I don't know if you remember them, they were called a PT Cruiser. And they were like a, they were like a hot rod, but it, they were brand new, but they were like a hot rod shape. They were these real weird things. Anyway, so we pick it up and that's what they've got for us. So we're cruising down this sort of new looking hot rod down, we go basically to Seattle and then you just turn left and drive into the middle of Washington state. And we thought we were lost. Like we were driving in there and it was just like open paddocks, hardly any trees, nothing to see. And we're, and it's saying, Oh, like you're getting within 15 minutes, 10 minutes of this concert. And I was like, Oh, we've done our money here. Like this, there's no way there's a concert out here. Anyway, we sort of just come over this rise and then we just see all these cars parked in the, in the middle of a paddock. And we're like, Oh, this is, this must be it. So we, we pull in, uh, walk over the edge of the sort of this like a bit of a rise and here's this beautiful natural amphitheater so like a big lake the size of sort of like Lake Eildon I suppose in the in the background and the stage was like an open backstage and so they and then there was a natural amphitheater on the side of the hill so you just no seats just sat on the grass on this natural amphitheater on this hill open stage with this lake in the background and basically they like played while the sun went down sort of behind them and uh, it was just amazing and then um yeah, so did all that. Uh, Tom Petty was touring with them, and he was mm. supposed to he was supposed to play first. So we're there waiting for Tom Petty to come out. Anyway, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Everyone's getting a bit restless. Eddie comes out in a singlet, and he's like, "All right, everybody, thanks for waiting. Look, t- Tom Petty's not happening. He's too sick." He said he's not coming out. So Eddie sits down his acoustic and he sings uh, 
uh, Won't Back Down, Tom Petty song on acoustic, which was awesome. Well, I won't back down. Well, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. I uh, did that. He goes, there's your Tom Petty. We'll be out in a minute. So he goes off. Pearl Jam come out and they played probably an extra half hour than what they would have because Tom Petty didn't play. Anyway, we're sort of like, oh, I wonder what happened. Anyway, then it gets to the bit where Eddie's talking during the gig and he says, um, he says, oh, like, hands up if, who camped, because it was two nights of the show. We were there for the second night. Uh, he's like, hands up who camped here last night. And like half or three quarters of the audience put their hand up, but like we didn't. Uh, and then he, then he sort of goes, hmm, he goes, hands up if you vomited on someone you care really deeply about last night. And then, <laughs> then he throws his hand up and we're like, oh, okay. Obviously the boys have had a big night on their last night of tour and because uh, they all stayed out there in the tour buses and, uh, and the whole crowd just goes nuts and they got in, but it was just such an awesome sort of uh, concert. And then they basically played the end of the show, did the encore, walked off onto their tour buses and they were going home to Seattle, which was about an hour and a half drive from there. Uh, for the first time in like, I don't know, a year or something like that. So they're all heading off. So oh. uh, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was uh, something really different. And I've got all the photos of it mounted up in a frame uh, in my shed at home. So uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool gig. Oh, that sounds awesome. So I'd be fascinating. imagine seeing a band like that, like at a day on the green, it'd just be out of control. Yeah, um, it was really weird. So it's just, just the beautiful backdrop too. So that just made it awesome. So And then the long days, you know, like you picture it summer. So it didn't get dark until 10 o'clock or something. So they, that made it really cool. And uh, contrary to belief, uh, Tom Petty will back down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if he was the one who got vomited on or whether it was Eddie's wife. Because I think he's, he was kids were young then and I think the wife and the kids were in the bus with him. So I'm not sure who got vomited on, whether it was Tom Petty or the wife or whoever, but someone copped it. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, one final question for you, Tom. I'm not sure... If- Danny, how are we um, doing the singles this year? Are we just adding them to the adding them to the mix as a one big uh, mix tape? Or uh, yeah, we'll probably do that. Yeah, we'll figure something out along the way. Okay, so Tom, uh, what was your worst ever single? Well, I'm, you're going to kill me for having to have this on your thing, but uh, Billy Ray Cyrus' "Achy Breaky Heart" was, oh, uh, yes. was one of, and that was like one of the first ones I ever got, and I still remember getting it from the Vic Market in Melbourne in like our yearly sort of family Melbourne trip. Don't tell my heart. Went to Vic Market on the sort of way home and uh, picked it out. And then so you could think there's only three songs on it. And we basically listened to them on repeat the whole way home to Wangaratta. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so. I can imagine uh, Tom, I was sorry, a, a Billy Ray Cyrus single. It wouldn't have had any other songs on it as a B-side. It just would have had a different version of Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it was, I think, like, yeah, there was, like, some uh, other version of it. And then there was maybe one other sort of uh, country song or something that was pretty Probably ordinary. Probably like but- an instrumental as well or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well. He actually came up today in the um, when I'd, I had Johnny Cash on YouTube just going for it and um, Billy Ray Cyrus popped into the mix and I was working and was like, oh, no. Yeah. And as I looked at the video of it, his hair at the back, it could almost be like 
from a Victorian era of a lady. Like it's all blow dried back and then it was like neatly braided <laughs> into a long thin ponytail yeah. or braid at the back. I was like, yeah. oh, just pop like a big fancy dress on him from the 1800s and you would never know who it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, all class, all class. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, thank you for being so candid, Tom. And as, as a treat for you, I'm going to drop number seven. And it is from the album Carrying On with Johnny Cash and June Carter. And it's called We've been talking about Jackson Ever since the fire went out I'm going to Jackson I'm going to mess around Yeah, I'm going to Jackson Look out, Jackson Town. Jackson. <laughs> uh, now, as good as it is having Tom on the show, uh, we best get to the man of the hour himself, the man in black, Johnny Cash, and we'll see how uh, Danny goes with the one-minute bio. Uh, well, that's right. We've got one minute, don't we? About, uh, keep, keep A long it, uh, minute. Yeah. Um, so, Danny, I'll get the timer ready there. and we got to need to talk slowly. <clears throat> yep, go for it, mate. And a one, and a two, and a three. <laughs> so, Johnny Cash, John R. Cash, born February 26, 1932, um, passed September 12, 2003, age 71. So, nickname Man in Black for obvious reasons, always uh, wearing his trademark black outfits. One of the best selling artists of all time, not necessarily even just um, country music, but all time, 90 million records world, worldwide, probably plus now. Um, I was going to go through uh, a fair few of his records, like, you know, the main ones, but there are just too many. Um, so I'm not. So that's good. <laughs> um, person, my personal favourite to the American rec uh, recordings, as I said earlier, so we can go through that a little bit further. Originally married to Vivian Liberto from 54 to 68, um, but then obviously remarrying in 68 to June Carter Cash, until he passed. They were married till he passed away. Um, and obviously, June Carter being um, a, like a main stage singing partner, like and obviously well-known, um, you know, in the past as well with um, being his sidekick. Well, nearly much of a sidekick anyway. How much longer have I got? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm pretty sure, it was, pretty sure it was about a minute and ten, so we're done. Guys up. Like I said earlier, he's... Um, He's someone that you could just talk and talk you know, heaps about. Mind you, what I will do, I've got a fair few um, interesting facts that I'll just jump in with every now and then about Johnny. Um, here's one. I don't know whether you'll like him or not. That doesn't really matter. Johnny Cash did not have a middle name. When his parents were deciding on his name, his mother wanted to name him John while his fa father wanted to... Oh, no. Don't worry about that one. It, uh, I, can't, <laughs> I copied That's, and pasted and it didn't paste the uh, end. Oh, <laughs> no. It's a joke I, without a punchline. Oh, shit. I, I did read the bit about, yeah, they called him J.R. Cash, but he went to the Air Force and they wouldn't accept initials in the in the Air Force, uh, so he, he had to make up the name Johnny or something. Is that that's, – I was reading yeah, that yesterday that's, too. That yeah. sounds right. And, yep. and that's a great save. Thank you very much. Yeah. I can't believe that did paste. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I hope the rest of them did. <laughs> uh, that's good. Fucking hell. All right. We're off to an unreal start. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So where do we kick it off with Johnny Cash? It's, there's so much to cover, but, and we don't have a long time. I thought I might start by saying 
lead into my next next question by saying um, I've never actually heard the words I, I don't like Johnny Cash or I hate Johnny Cash. I've never actually heard anyone say it. So I was curious to ask you guys, why, why do you think he has such mass appeal, more appeal with the mainstream than any country artist has ever had before? Especially from Marty, from you, Smarty, why I want to hear, because I think I know what the appeal is with guys a bit more. He's got that sort of John Wayne thing going on, like he's a man's man, if, if, that, if that makes sense. Um, so it was interesting to get a, a female perspective. So what do you think, Smarty? I um, probably think it could almost be the same, that he's a man's man and that he's very appealing to, to the other, other side of the, the fence as well. Um, but also, even watching him today, he's got a real presence and he's got a real honest presence. Like he, he could almost say anything and you would believe him. Like he's just got a, um, a really sure, sureness about him, but he's not overpowering or overbearing. But, yeah, he's sort of very much, a, I guess, a leader without being, you know, authoritarian. Um, and the voice, I mean, I'm a fan of of a deep voice anyway. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. But, yeah, watching him today, there is a, there's a gentleness to him and that's probably yeah. another thing. There's a gentleness to him that I think uh, perhaps it, would be liked by the masses. But, yeah, he does come across as a really honest kind of person. Um, a, a real, a real Genuine. Yeah, and really a real genuine. toughness with a splash of vulnerability, if, if you know what I mean, in any songs as well. Yeah, which is uh, a great what, mix. What do you think, Tomo? I, yeah, I reckon the other thing is too is he's got that ability that he could obviously recognise a really good tune. And so, like, you know, a lot of his songs are, are good cover songs, like we talked about earlier. And so he, yeah, like he just could, the fact that he could identify, like, whether it's gospel, whether it was Nine Inch Nails or whoever it was, he was like, oh, I could do a spin on this. It'll be really cool. And I reckon that's where he's, he's sort of transcended all those different areas is the fact that he could he could go from, yeah, like gospel to country to uh, almost um, sort of grunge almost um, and, and find something, find a spin to do on it. Um, so, yeah, I reckon same thing, but just that presence, that voice. And like we talked about, uh, Danny was saying how he loves those America albums. Like his voice got... Like with age, his voice sort of got so much complexity and that that deepness. And like by the time he gets to doing like Hurt and those sort of songs, like he's he sounds like the words that he's singing. And that was just amazing, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, another thing is um, we went to see the Tex Perkins show uh, where he does Johnny Cash songs. Oh, I went yeah. with my parents and I went with my kids. And I don't know if I could name too many uh, catalogues where all three generations would have such a good time with the music. Mm. Um, it'd be yep, hard to sure. think of. What do you think, Danny? I reckon all of that, like, so the voice is, is pretty much, like, it can be standalone. One thing that I've noticed this week, like, especially um, watching a lot of his live acts, uh, so live music and that, he, he had a lot of Elvis about him too. Mm. Like, the, the presence that he had on stage, like, the way he swung his guitar around a lot, a lot of his music, a lot of that old country sort of music would get cracking and rolling along, and then they would it would stop, you know, and then he and then he'd voice his voice would be alone in whatever he's saying, and he'd have his he'd swing his guitar to the side. It was almost like an Elvis, like you know that that move that Elvis usually did. Like I've I don't think I've ever seen a bloke just stand on stage 
have the music play its part and him not really doing anything other than singing um, and, and just strumming the guitar. There was no real sort of, uh, you know, um, technical band. guitar there or anything like that. He had no band. Um, and, and yet everybody seemed absolutely in awe of him every time, every time he sang live. Um, yeah, so I just reckon like he, he definitely had that. I think maybe, I don't know whether you were trying to say this before, Nick, like he was absolutely confident without being like that unappealing cockiness. Like he yeah. just came across extremely confident. Like, you know, when yes. he, like some of the, the pictures that they've taken um, of him when he was just looking straight down the barrel and, you know, he's just finished the line. Yeah, there's stuff like that. You know, like, yeah, he, was, he was a bloody character. He was unreal. Uh, I was going to just add to that too, you bringing up Elvis, Dan. Um, uh, when Johnny Cash, he sort of hit the big time pretty quickly. Um, he'd been in the army, just got back, and then um, he was married as soon as he got back from the army and he had kids really quickly and it was all happening. And then all of a sudden his music started to kick off. And um, I don't know if it was his very first tour, but one of his early tours was with Elvis. So mm. he was um, three years older than Elvis but he was supporting Elvis. So I can imagine he would have been watching, yeah. you know, from the side going, oh, every time he's, he's moving, girls are screaming and loving it. So yeah. you, if you were smart enough, you'd be like, all right, so I'm still me, but maybe, you know, a bit of a swing of a guitar is not going to hurt, you know, my yep. career. Um, but I noticed it too in the videos today watching and he was almost dancing around and the guitar just happened to be on him. Like he yep. it was just, going you know going crazy and that was a really young video that was on then he was doing that but um initially sun records didn't rate him because they didn't like that he had an untrained voice and they were preferring you know very much the um carbon copy neat tidy clean voices and he came in with his sort of gravelly baritone just mm. and like just humming his way into things and and they didn't like it initially, but um, somehow, yeah, somehow he got a bill with them and then that was it after that. Very nice work. Um, it's funny, now, hold on, just two seconds, James. I've got a, a, an interesting fact about um, if I if I didn't copy and paste it. Yeah, he was actually the, told at one stage. finish? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, he was actually told at one stage to stop singing by a vocal coach. Oh. Don't know who that was, but that's it. I'm just going to throw them in every now and then. You might yeah, get no. angry with them. Like you might it. get upset with them. I'm still going to do no. it. I was like going to say, it's good to note that you go, I don't know who it was. And that's a good point, isn't it? No <laughs> one knows right. who that person exactly. was. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yep, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> not, no idea. Next. Now, we'll get a bit soppy. Uh, yes. We'll talk about Johnny, Johnny and June. Oh, yeah, this is right up your alley, Smarty. It is right um, up my alley. <laughs> uh, that I put much stock in like Hollywood films. Uh, we've probably all seen Walk the Line and then I don't even put a lot of the stock in autobiographies because I really don't know how people who write them can remember anything when they're that high on drugs. Um, <laughs> when I can't remember what I did three days ago. Uh, but Because um, you're on drugs. Really seems to be a proper, <laughs> Get off the gear, man. Story. Just um, even from the, what we see in the video clips, the way they are with each other, and at the end that they just died three months apart, it's almost like they couldn't be without each other. Um, what, what do you think of the Johnny and June saga, Smarty? Uh, I did actually a little bit of reading about this. Um, it's sort of one of those things, once you sort of read one little article, you kind of get a little bit hooked and, and you find that you're sort of, you know, going down the rabbit hole with it. I think before I started doing my research, I thought it was 
lovely and obviously knew that he'd been married and I really felt for his first wife um by the sound of it you know he wooed her she was really young when they got together and then he went off to the army came back had kids then his career took off and then he met June and then it was pretty much all bets off after that for his first wife so I really feel for her and she from what I've read never really got over that fact but then I think well you know both June and John from what I read said that they both felt something and that they couldn't ignore it um and you know I guess it proves that they got together and stayed together but then I was reading all these crazy stories and who knows what's real but then I was um reading that Johnny Cash was um as much as love him and think he's amazing but he was he had done a few um eye raising eyebrow raising things when he was with June so I don't know yeah it's I guess like what uh, okay, so from, <laughs> I don't know if this is true. <laughs> I'm dancing around it. I don't want to incriminate him because he's amazing, but I read that he actually slept with her sister when she was, when June was pregnant. Not so, Anita. Anita, yes. Oh, Did you see that it. too? Yeah. No, she's, she's, uh, <laughs> you say it like you know her, Jamie. Um, Not Anita. <laughs> Before you were with her, Jamie. No. Um, <laughs> So I was a bit horrified when I read that and um, I sort of searched for that and it seems that that had occurred. And and then June and Johnny both um, battled with addictions. I think both of them were drugs and um, alcohol and all sorts of things, but, but they supported each other and stayed together. And I guess, yeah, true love that they, um, you know, ups and downs and all the rest of it. So, look, I think they were meant to be they were meant to be and even you know you see the chemistry when you watch them in their videos um he just looks like he adores her when they're playing like he just is in awe of her it's it's fascinating it's really really fascinating I think it was completely genuine yeah did he have Um, was his kids to his first wife or or was it to June as well he had yeah, yeah four girls with his first wife Vivian and then he had one son with June and June had other kids from her previous marriages and yeah so it was a big happy or big family yeah um sorry what was her name the first wife two seconds Vivian Vivian bang yep um I have read that she was not happy at all with her betrayal in the walk the line film Mm. uh, uh, sorry movie um that I think what she was most angry with is it showed that she didn't support his career and his music and she said that she supported his career and loved his music all the way mm. to the end so mm. yeah, yeah Be- she- being the hollywood sort of movie it's almost like they made you barrett for him and june, june. so they yeah, sort of yeah. had to make her a little bit of a villain maybe in a way yeah, like absolutely. to make that yeah yeah which is pretty harsh isn't it when you i mean you know there's often a villain in a film but jesus if you're gonna yeah. depict it off a, an actual human that hasn't done anything wrong Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's usually the manager in a music film. They went in a different direction. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, anything from that from the lads uh, on the June and Johnny story? Or yeah, I've got I've got another um, interesting fact. If you want it, yeah. Um, he was actually once attacked by his own ostrich. Oh yes, (laughs) I saw that. Uh, (laughs) Which led (laughs) which led into another. didn't he get painkillers and then he was off on a 
Correct. Yeah, <laughs> little that's, that's got him back. He was clean, and then he went into hospital, got the painkillers, and got back on him. Yeah, that bloody <laughs> ostrich. ostrich. He would have been oh, cursed that ostrich. <laughs> and after that, it was birthday cake under a tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so the last thing I sort of want to talk about before we get into the, a couple of songs is the America trilogy. I, w- I wanted to see where you guys sat because I, I know Tom and I probably had more traditional picks with our songs. While Danny and Smarty, you had a lot more of the had a splash of the newer stuff in there. Uh, what do you think the goal of releasing all those albums when he was sort of knocking on death's door? Um, what, what do you think the purpose of that was? Is it just to cement his legacy or uh, appeal to a new audience, or was it a retirement fund? You know. Um, or is it just that's what good artists do? They do what they love till they die, sort of thing. What do you, what do you reckon? I reckon more of the latter. I reckon I reckon much more of the latter. The fact that he was just he loved his music and like um and this is just I'm only assuming um but like um he, he, you know there was there was a fair few people that helped him out with those recordings as well like um Hank Williams Jr. and 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 people like that of, you know, really, really well-known musicians and whatnot. I suppose one question that I'd, I'd ask the group, um, if anybody knows, is, and I think you touched on it before, Tommy, like the the main sort of, uh, the main sort of hits off the, the American recordings, like, you know, Hurt, um, One, um, and obviously uh, I Hung My Head. Um, I wonder if he was, if he's sort of like um, being put down as the person that, rearranged them in that certain way or did he get help to rearrange it like that and then he just sort of sung it in that way does that did that make sense i think was, Rick uh, Rubin played a big part in in okay. choosing songs for him that he thought would suit his voice which at that point was getting i don't want to say weaker but you like i've stopped in my tracks when Hurt came on today. I haven't seen it for ages and it's so fragile and he's, you know, he only so died months after that. The warble um, in his voice, that old man warble. Yeah. Really, mm. It's really cool. It's, yeah, it's, it's quite emotional. It's um, it, the way that it's done. But I remember, I haven't, not lately, but a long time ago had, had seen a thing on Rick Rubin talking about uh, that collaboration with Johnny and um, he was saying that he was really aware of Johnny feeling pretty vulnerable and knowing that, um, you know, his voice was not as strong as it had been. So he had said that I was trying to, yeah, pick songs that um, that would suit he, that suit him, his style and what, you know, his, I guess, public persona as a musician was, which was a bit of, you know, outlaw country um, mm. music. Yeah, and he said it just yeah it took a little bit of coaxing just to, to get him going and um, yeah so I think Rick Rubin played a big part in those recordings for Johnny Cash and and I'd also read that Johnny I think he was already recording before June had died because I noticed in the Hurt video that she was in that um, and I think they filmed that in December and she'd passed away early the following year and then he was three months later but um he's apparently johnny had rung rick uh, a day after the um june's funeral and said i just want to record as much as i can it was almost like he knew that his time was going to be up now that june was done he was like well i'm going to be right after her so let's go and she asked him to she said something i read that uh when she died she said keep recording keep going so she obviously knew how important it was for him um yeah which is pretty cool <clears throat> mm. I don't think it would have been for the money. I think he just 
absolutely loved it. And that's yep. what he knew how to do. Yeah. yeah. I remember like um, In My Life by the Beatles, like the cover that he done of the Beatles. For me, like when the Beatles done it um, or in their, their original recording, it was beautiful. Like just a beautiful song. He made it really sad. Like he just, mm-hmm. he somehow just made it, yeah, really, really sort of sad. I mean, it's still beautiful, but sad. Like it was just more melancholy sort of yeah. uh, stuff. Like, yeah, interesting takes on it. That's for sure. Absolutely. All right, guys, we must press on. We'll talk probably about uh, maybe some of those songs a little bit later down the line anyway. Um, before we drop the HMs, uh, that's uh, honorable mentions, Tom. Uh, let's kick out number Thank six. <laughs> and it is from the album First. Uh, it was first released from the album Johnny Cash and His Hot and Blue Guitar. And it is. Ooh. I hear the train coming, it's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison and time keeps dragging on. Balsam Prison Blues. There we go. Okay, HMs and uh, plenty of them, so I'll just I'll just power them out. Um, first one, oh, this is the one of mine that missed out. I had this. This is my number three missed out. So uh, it's "Were You There When They Crucified My Lord," uh, which he sings with Anita Carter. Oh, <laughs> the chemistry! <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) that's pretty much it for me that's completely confirmed (laughs) (laughs) number two of our h&m's are we had personal jesus we had five feet high and rising 25 minutes to go i see darkness nobody one sam hall ghost riders in the sky oh yeah Redemption song, the ballad of Ira Hayes, Long Black oh. Veil. Oh, I like that. oh, that's Quentin. all mine. Don't bring your guns to town, Bill. Daddy was... sang bass, and when the man was around. Jeez, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a... sort of a blend of a, a Carter family song, isn't it? That Daddy sang bass is. Oh yeah. Circle yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I am by Lord, I am by. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was in my top ten. I love that song. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's off the America Four, isn't it? Uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe. No, nah, I think um, it's early. I, it's yeah, really I, early. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll edit that out. I don't like being wrong. Um, <laughs> Record <Yeah>. it. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, um, I think we had a lot of honorable mentions, and I reckon there was still a lot that missed. Um, yeah. Oh, you so, could do it three times over, couldn't you? Yeah. 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 Um, I liked you. Had I liked that you had "Don't Bring Your Guns to Town" Bill in there, Tommy. Um, I, I do like that one. It's a great uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right, filthy so about those. Actually, I'm just looking yeah. at the list that I had, and it's knocked out. I reckon half of my list. <laughs> Are you yeah. hurt? I am. <laughs> Hurt. <laughs> uh, Big River. Big River was another one that was didn't even get a vote. That's a cracking song. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we, we could do this all day. <laughs> let's move on uh, to number five. This cracker from the album at Folsom Prison, and it is. 
Early one morning while making the rounds, I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down. I went right home and I went to bed. I stuck at loving 44 beneath my head. Cocaine blues. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, you know, just wasn't ready. Let me just uh, give you a bit of a rundown. All right. Cocaine Blues, um, referred to as a Western swing murder ballad, which mm. I kind of like. Um, mm. Covered, it's a cover. So, uh, covered in, uh, by Johnny Cash in 1968. Pretty sure it was first put on uh, the album like Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. Um, it's originally a Western swing song written by Ron. Ron Hogshead, and all, and so the music apparently is also a reworking of a traditional song called "Little Sadie," which was uh, which was made in 1944. So if anybody wants to look oh. that up, you can look it up on YouTube under Doc Watson "Little Sadie." It's very folky. It's a very folky sort of song. Yeah, um, Cocaine Blues. I love the 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 sound of this song. I love the stop and start. Of this sort of like, uh, I reckon a lot of songs like have that stop and start country sort of lead in, especially with that, um, you know, the three or four string uh, leading to these songs. Absolutely love it. And, and and again, like it takes me back when I was um, watching him play it live. He very he very much stops and starts all the time and, and swings that guitar back behind his back and yeah, for dramatic effect. I love it. Um, something, uh, so something that was interesting, like a lot of, so there's a few words or, or lines in this song that were were too much for, for back in those days. So for live, uh, so when it was on the radio and when um, they were on soundtracks, I think as well. Like, so they had to change words. So one of the main lines is like um, near the end, is like I can't forget the day that I shot, um, I shot my bad bitch down. Mm, so I they always had cool. to change it like um, to I shot my woman down. And then the other one is obviously the main one is where, um, uh, took a shot of cocaine and they'd always usually change to uh, took a transfusion. I don't know how, how you'd get that into the, the same wordings, um, but they also changed San Quentin original. The original words were San Quentin and then changed it into Folsom as well. Mm. Interesting little facts about that. Cracking mm. crack tune though. Doesn't yeah. it, it's it rocks from start to finish as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a cautionary tale about uh, cocaine and uh, women. And cake. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> cake. And ostriches. Um, <laughs> no. and ostriches. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, love it. Good tune. I'm not sure you get away with it today. Uh, <laughs> That's a big <laughs> statement. I was yeah. listening to this before, a live version of this before, and uh, the, the, all the audience are like, woo, yeah. They're yes. clapping along with yeah. all of it. And just sort of thinking, oh, it's sort of like a murder, murder ballad, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the confidence with his, like his facial expressions when he's singing it. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, what of it? Yeah. I'm singing it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon, Tommy? I'm yeah, love it. Lo- absolutely love like. I just love that. You know, they talk about his, his the melody of his songs like being like a you can picture almost like a train like a mm. going down the track and it's got mm. that sort of like you re- and you just start bobbing your head and that's the funny thing of it like it's such a, a bad song as far as what he's doing but you sit there like bobbing <laughs> bobbing yeah. away to it and uh, it, you just can't help it and it's just yeah that like Danny said that stop start and that the way that it's put together the song oh, it's it's a great song. 
Uh, I've got to say, Tommy, on the back of that, because I read somewhere about um, the fact that his music has the freight train rhythm or other, also known as the bomb chicka bomb, which made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like he's covering all bases yeah. Yeah. with yeah. bomb chicka bomb. Yeah. <laughs> but it is very, that. Very it is nice. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the lead in that yeah that three note lead in <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right very nice just quickly jamie did anybody know that he was an ordained minister oh, another another Danny just Conte. another just another just you know if you're happy with that yeah i love him keep him cool going. good all but right, he was we do no- should we jump on to number four yeah. let's do it now number four <laughs> I found this one on the San Quentin album. It could have come from something earlier, but uh, Nikki is going to take us through this one, and it is. He said, Now you just fought one hell of a fight, and I know you hate me, and you got the right to kill me now, and I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel in your guts and the spit in the eye, because I'm the son of a bitch that named you Sue. A boy named Sue. <laughs> Such a good song. I actually had this as my number one in our top 10 when we did it uh, last year. So I just I just love the humour of it. It's just, and it's so, yeah, he, when he sings it, there's a mischievousness to him and um, it's just a really good, a great sort of song that you could imagine them playing live and it'd be good to be there and, and be in the moment. Um, it wasn't written by Johnny. Um, it was written by a... Um, children's author and poet named Shel Silverstein or Shel Silverstein, I'm not sure that might be it. And uh, so he had written it um, and then Johnny had found it and he didn't actually, uh, he'd got his hands onto it and didn't have a lot of time with it, but had decided that he was going to perhaps play it when he was recording at the San Quentin prison. And apparently when when that was happening, he had to use a lyric sheet because he'd only just got it and was still trying to get the, the words down. Um, his band didn't know that he was going to play it. They weren't aware of it, but they kind of um, obviously the pros that they would have been just playing live that they slotted into where they had to be with it. So that was in 1969, in February 1969, that he first sort of had sung it and didn't expect it to go down so well. And it did. So then it ended up on, uh, on albums that he had done. Um, it actually became his biggest hit. It was at number two um, for three weeks, and number one, which I was uh, thought was interesting to read, was uh, the Rolling Stones with "Honky Tonk Woman." So, yeah, Johnny Cash was was second to them for a few weeks in 1969. It um, is an, another p- uh, point about the song that he doesn't actually sing it. It's um, they were saying it's talking blues, um, the way that he does it again has the the freight train rhythm to it and just on the back of what you said Danny with the words being changed when required or as necessary when he sang it in the prison that son of a bitch he went and named me Sue so they they had to bleep that out on the recording and I think he says toward the end something about damn damn I still hate that name or something and they changed it to um they changed son of a bitch to son of a gun. And I think damn became something else. But then even in the 
um, recordings I watched today when he was playing it live, depending on where he was playing it, he would beep himself. So we would be like, that beep went name me Sue. So he'd sort of play along with, with that. And then just a little side note on um, the guy who actually wrote it, Shel Silverstein, they say he was inspired by a friend of his whose name was Gene, who was a male. And this male guy named Gene had been teased all his life and had must have told Shell about how he hated his name. So that was the inspiration for um, this Shell to write this song. Um, yeah, Shell's so that's more of a, a feminine name than Gene. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and, yeah, who, who cares? But, uh, um, but <laughs> obviously it was a big deal at the time. Like, you know, it was a really it was a thing to be and it probably was you know you had to have a really manly name or a very feminine name um as, as a jamie i can uh, sympathize yeah <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah um i was also gonna note that um just a little side note red hot chili peppers in uh, their song one big mob um there's a lyric in it that references a boy named sue i can't think i, I would normally have it written up by now but um yeah, it, um, they've got a little uh, nod to Johnny Cash in their song. And when Johnny Cash also back on when he played with the Highwaymen and um, they would often perform their own songs and then songs together, uh, he would say at the end, um, if I ever had a son, I'd name him and he'd go, Willie, Waylon, Chris, any damn name but Sue. So, yeah, um, it's just, it's fun. I love it. It's a great song. Very nice work, Smarty. Danny. Did yeah, you have a boy named Sue in yours? Uh, no. Oh, all right. Uh, what about you, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly did. I think I was at number I number two. I think it might have been. I, I absolutely love it. Like I, yeah, it's just this is and this is probably the first one that I remember um, listening to as a kid and getting right into Johnny Cash. Like obviously the bigger ones, you heard them a little bit more, but this is the one that I just loved, and I still love. It. I was listening to it before. Love the like you talked about the talking lyrics. But then how he sort of sings the last two words or the last word of every line. Like, I love how he mm. does that into it. I reckon it's just really clever. Um, yeah, absolutely love it. It's just it like I can see why it was such a popular hit because it's it's sort of almost bordering on comedy and music and everything, bringing it all together um, and, and storytelling. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute classic. So, I, yeah, definitely had this one up for me. Uh, is, can I ask Danny? Is there a reason why you didn't have it? Do you not do you not like it, or it's just didn't didn't make the cut? No, no, I, I love it. I just don't think it made the cut. Yeah, no, I, there's, there's nothing to dislike about it. Yeah, I I had this really high as well. We we were upset uh, with me. No, yeah, I was a bit. <laughs> uh, you guys know me. I love a song with a story in it. And what's better than a song with a story in it is a story with a twist. Uh, and this so this song has it all for me. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, but I thought I'd do you a little bit of a, a bit of a treat. Uh, they're no, they're no Danny, Danny fun facts, but it's, I'll try. Um, I was going to give you the best five songs with a twist. Would you like that? Absolutely, yes. sounds good. So I've left, I've left that out, that one. But number five is the Pina Colada song. Yes, <laughs> yes. A twist in the end. There, I love it. Uh, I love it. What yeah. is the twist in that song? I so do you know the storyline? Through an, an ad, yeah, and it's uh, his wife. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because like he so puts people... it out because they're 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 um they're bored with their relationship, and so he gets a hit from the ad saying, "Yeah, I you know someone writes back, I do like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, and they're like, "Well, why don't we meet up?" So they meet up, and boom, 
It's oh, life. I did not know yeah. that. <laughs> and oh. then they so they rekindle and probably start having sex again. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> There's the twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very well explained. Number four. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. I had Lola by the Kinks. Yeah, that's a massive twist. Can Can you also say why? Because Lola's what a that man. twist is. <laughs> oh, Jamie. There's pronouns now, mate. It, you can't. You can't. Are you playing with me, Smarty? Or no, you... I'm serious. Didn't you know that Lola? Yeah. Didn't you know Lola's that you know the Lola story? I, I hadn't really spent much time thinking about it. Oh yeah, the the, the words. Like I'm remember just... the hand. The was it the references to when they when they he grabbed her hand or his hand, and when he says, "I know what I am. I bet I'm a man, and so is Lola." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh, yeah. wow! Cool. Like, My number great. three was Where the Wild Roses Grow with Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue. Mm. Is that when he um, kills her? Well, yeah. yeah. We, think he's, we think they're falling in love with each other and he's just grooming her to pretty much murder her. Basically. So that's, a, that's classified as a murder ballad as well, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, number two I had was Stan by Eminem. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So one. One. Now, my number one, I, I don't know if you would have heard this song. But I can hear the scribble of Stan. The best. Write this one down, guys, and have a listen to this for a tale. It's by Ween, the band Ween. Mm-hmm. Recall them from Push the Little Daisies. Yeah. And the song is called Buenos Tardes Amigos. You killed my brother last winter. You shot him three times in the back In the night I still hear mama weeping Oh mama still dresses in black Yeah, I reckon you've shown me this before but I'm not sure it's, where the twist is It's in a Mexican style the song and it is a crack and twist that i did not see coming would you put this in your top 1000 oh, oh yeah yep yeah oh really yeah. what because of the story or, or the whole thing the the music and everything um i'm a big wayne fan as mm. it is but um, i love their music but this song is it's just yeah it's it's just fun it's oh. from start to end uh yeah it's it's great I'll pop, I'll pop a bit of that up on the on the um, Facebook page. Please do. Nice, Jamie. Would you like another twist? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash could understand Russian Morse code. Whoa! <laughs> so there you go. Did he learn that in the army, Danny? Oh, he must have. He might have. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the air force he was doing something like uh, code work or something. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Cool. That's cool. Exactly. See, Tommy was always there for the backup. Yeah. <laughs> bang, bang. I had to Very do my good. had to do my pre-reading because I was yeah didn't want to come That's on good. with nothing. It's <laughs> good. Mate. You, you're, you're saving me. Many you, you've been able to finish all Danny's half story. <laughs> That's right. Permanent member. Uh, boom. We, we, we prepared all this sort of stuff during the week, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, number three. Wait a second. It is. Oh no! The quiz. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> how's, your, how's your trivia knowledge, Tom? Oh, I'd say uh, fair to 
good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I might make fair to poor for me. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> All right, five questions. I don't want the buzzers. Oh, he'll tell us. Um, I've never thought about that at all. Wow, uh, you're slipping. All right, all right, Tom. Uh, your Tom, your buzzer. Daddy sang bass. <laughs> Daddy sang bass. Yep. Marty. <laughs> Mama sang tenor. Mama sang, oh, sang tenor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for this one. <laughs> And Danny, yours is, and the kids would join right in. <laughs> How does that go? I, I can't even remember. Join right in. And the kids would join right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we're ready to go. Go for it. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a bit more freestyle for you. I want you to yeah. do your song. So here we go. Just warm up. <clears throat> Mary always hedges her bets. She never knows what to think. She says that he still acts like he's being discovered. Werner Cats and Walls says he should be used to it. Oh, damn it. What's my thing over again? And the kids join right in. Stanny. What's 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 the question? What's the song? What's the name of the song? Johnny and Mary. It is Johnny and Mary. From uh, Robert Palmer and Danny. Oh, gosh. Oh, Robert Palmer. Nice. Didn't expect or, uh, that. Placebo yeah. done a cover. Good song, actually. <laughs> um... Danny up one nil. Question two. You ready? Yep. Who plays Cash in the film? Mama plays Mama Saint Jenner. Is it Joaquin Phoenix? No. Oh. oh. Didn't even get the full question. Is the, is the rest of the full question for me and Tom only? God. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who plays Cash? In the film Tango and Cash. Oh. Uh, and the kids drawing right in. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were just singing. <laughs> uh, it is, I'm going to say Sylvester Stallone. Incorrect. Oh, oh, no. Did you want to crack at it? Oh. Oh, no. Is it? Oh. Oh, no. Is it? No, I keep thinking of Turner and Hooch the dog. I was thinking, no, Tango. <laughs> I was thinking oh, it's a dog. No, 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 that's Turner and Hooch. Um, <laughs> it is Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Oh, Danny. Yeah. Can't I get like point five or forgettable. something? I think it's a forgettable film, so I won't hold that one against you. Yes, I had a clue about that one. This could be tough, so I'll add more clues to it if, if we need. Who did Pat Cash <laughs> beat in the 1987 Wimbledon final? Grandpa, oh. Daddy sang bass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it like? Lance would be proud. Uh, I'm thinking like maybe like Ivan Lendl or someone. Oh, oh yes, I'll take it, Ivan Lendl. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh that's well, that's that's good. Tommy. Nice. So, uh, how many points are you on, Danny? One. <laughs> one. Tom's on one. You're on one. We're gonna do a bit of a warmer, colder, or closest to the mark. Um, so I'll let you go first, Marty. Give you first shot at it. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> I need it always. <laughs> right. So, what year did the pound change to the dollar in Australia? Uh, let's say, um, I'm going to say 1975. Lower. 
All right, Tom, I'll move on to you as you're our special guest. Uh, I'm going to go about like 68. Nine and 68. Lower. Oh, it is lower. Okay. <clears throat> Danny? I'll go uh, 56. Oh, yeah. Back to you, Nikki. 61. Oh, yeah. Back to you, Tom. Uh, 1966. I'll take it. Correct answer. Yes. Oh, well done, TC. Two points up. I knew it was in the 60s, but I couldn't think of it. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Two-part answer for the next one. So if you get it right, so Smarty, you're still in with the chance here because I'll give two points. That's <laughs> very kind. <laughs> I'll take your pity. What? Pity points. Yeah. What state and city does Johnny B. Good live near and in? Just give me, give, am I allowed to have a little bit of time? Uh, oh, I think you're it's open like to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Way down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. You didn't, you didn't buzz in. You didn't buzz in. Oh, Mama Sang Channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, now I've got to think of the other song. <laughs> um, can you say the name of it again? I'm, I'm be good. Uh, way down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. Evergreen. Yes. Yes. Woo! <laughs> Coming in late. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a backup question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll make one up on the spot. Wait a second, wait a second. Okay, yeah, got got a good one. The man who plays uh, Johnny's Johnny Cash's father in the movie Walk the Line is best known for his role in what Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Mama Santana. Yes, Nikki. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terminator Two. I'll take it. Yes! Oh, no. Is it, uh, was it? It's a Patrick. Um, Robert Patrick? Robert Patrick. Yeah. yeah. He, he, had that, he had that real creepy walk in Terminator <laughs> yes. 2 where whenever he's walking after him. Yeah. yeah. Very How did Nicky win that? I don't know. I don't watch hardly watch movies, but I remember him. He was because they portrayed him as quite horrible in the movie, didn't they? He's sticking the boots in there. Nick. Yeah. I think they held him. Like held him really responsible for his brother's death and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. That's just unfair. All right, well done, guys. Well played. <laughs> Sweet. That was very <laughs> lucky. <laughs> all right, shall we jump on to number three? Absolutely. I'm going to take you through this one. And oh. Of course, it is from the album America Four. And it is the song we have already spoken of. What have I become? My sweetest friend. Everyone I know goes away in the year. And you could have it all. My I will let you down I will make you hurt Hurt uh, Of course, a Nine Inch Nails cover Really paired back This song feels like it was written for Johnny Cash uh, And that video clip is just As we said earlier, it's just amazing It's just such a raw and real song of Like of an old man reflecting 
on the damage and carnage he has caused himself and those he loves. Uh, it's, it's really cathartic. This isn't a great film, but it's a great scene in, in a film. There's, it's The Godfather 3, and it's sort of as um, Al Pacino, Michael Corleone, goes in to see a priest for the first season. I don't think he's ever done it before, and does uh, confession, or what, what's the other word for that? Uh, reconciliation. And that's for our non-Catholics, smarty. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and, yeah, he starts off really uh, just saying the basics, but then he just absolutely loses himself in the shame of everything he's done during his life. And it, it just reminds me of that scene for some reason. It's just, it feels like one big confession. And all the things that he's probably justified during his life, it just comes pouring out in regret, grief and accountability. Uh, and I think that's what made this uh, song so powerful. It's, it's an old man at the end wishing he'd done things a little, a little differently. Um, yeah, there's quite, I don't know if there's anything quite like it. There, there's no tricks with the music. It's just a straight up powerful lyric uh, guitar piano song. And it's just done so powerfully. Yeah. The piano at the bit, at the end of it is amazing. Like, um, or the piano at all, like at any stage in it, I reckon makes it gives it that more, a little bit more of a haunting feeling as well. Like, um, and just gives it more sort of, um, I don't know, more background. I love it. Yeah. Do we know? Yeah. Do we know what it was originally about? Like written, like by Trent Reznor. I I assume it was uh, a guy who's torn his life apart with drugs. That's what I assume, but I could be wrong. I mean, mm. That's only what I get from it. It makes sense, yeah. Um, Smarty, you had this one in there. Uh, I I actually did. Yeah, I had it at number four. Um, I think it's just even to watch it today and it stopped me in my tracks. I think that's probably why it got at, at, as high as it did. Um, it's not an easy listen, even though it's done really well by him. It's not an easy listen. Like you sort of stop and it very much grabs your attention when it's on and um, and you really think about him the whole way through the song and where he was at. And yeah, um, I, I was just reading online that um, I think um, Trent Reznor, he initially... Um, Rick Rubin had called him to say, would you mind if Johnny Cash maybe covered your song? And he was like, oh, that's really nice that you think he'd like to do it, but I think it's not going to work. And um, then he, when he actually heard it initially, he wasn't, uh, Trent Reznor didn't, he, he well, I'll, what I've found here is put, it sounded weird to me. It felt very strange hearing the highly identifiable voice of Johnny Cash singing it. I wasn't cringing his words by the way before I go on but it felt like I was watching my girlfriend uh with somebody else I'll say for the sake of yeah uh chat um but then when he said he saw the video he was um it really appealed to him and he said I um I felt like I'd lost my girlfriend because I lost my song when I saw the video I was like well that's not my song anymore it's his song so that's a big comment I think to make and it would be, it wouldn't it'd be interesting to know like people who have covered, and I, we might have talked about this before, but people who've done a cover of an original and then the cover is, I shouldn't say better, but is bigger. Uh, bigger. Yeah, than the original. So it sounds like he's um, surrendered that song, knowing that it's hard to match it. It's, there's yeah. not much talk of there of, um, yeah, like he's, he's more talking about losing the song rather than being ultimately. Uh, Flattered the creator, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot about because well, I him, guess over it? time, 
and over history, it will because uh, most of the songs Johnny Cash sings aren't originals, mm. right? but we know that yeah. Johnny Cash songs. So in time, that'll probably happen to that song as well, if it hasn't already. Mm. Uh, yeah, Tom, you you didn't have this one. Uh, I I get the feeling you just couldn't uh, put it in the mix with how many there were to choose from. No, like it, and I knew that it'd be like every top ten you see of Johnny Cash, or and I knew I knew it'd be high on a lot of people's list. The only thing that it knocks down for me is I just love I love the mal- I love melody of his songs and I think if I want to turn on Johnny Cash I love that sitting when we're talking about that train rhythm that's what I love and bum, so chicka, <laughs> yeah the, the the power of this song for me like I said before is the that sort of uh complexity in his voice that gives you that pain that he's trying to sort of portray I reckon it, it's just that is fantastic for that reason but I didn't have it in there because like I said if I want to listen to a bit of Johnny Cash I'll, I'll chuck on something that I've got a little bit more like I really like the melody uh, of the song so that's probably the only reason I knocked it out but like I said I, you know you could have done it three times over and done top tens and had different songs in there something that gets the toe tapping yeah now doing number two it's Nikki, uh, and it's from the album with the same name and it is I find it very, very easy to be true I find myself alone when each day is through Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you Because you're mine, I walk the line So, yeah, walk the line Um, I I was interested to read (laughs) that he had written this uh, as a um, proclamation of fidelity to his first wife, Vivian. So knowing that, I'm like, Mm. okay, Um, probably didn't work out the way that he intended when he wrote that song. It was a good intent, but it's a great song. Uh, So um, he, when he went in to record it with Sun Records, he had gone in and wanting it to be a ballad and really slow thinking about his wife that this was because he was constantly touring they'd just married and then he was basically on the road so um he wanted it to be a a love song to her and uh sam phillips of sun records didn't like it slow and was like you need to you need to um up the pace um which he did and that became the the song that everybody knows with the the faster pace which works really well and he wrote it on while he was on tour with Elvis, which we um, I think I mentioned before. So Elvis was 20 and Johnny Cash was 23. Johnny Cash was supporting Elvis and, yeah, wrote it while he was um, on tour. And I think he had a bit of uh, Carl Perkins' input as well. They were all sort of, you know, doing the, the roads together and I think they probably all related and were all, you know, had um, partners and, and whatever back home. But life on the road, I think, particularly at that time, yeah, temptation every at every stop, um, and they were all, chal- I guess, challenged by that, as you can, I guess, imagine. I also read, which I really liked, that um, in that song he hums before every um, verse, like before he sort of starts off into the next verse, and he had gone on to say that he did it was to get the pitch of um, where he was up to because there's a few different changes in the song, like he's at different points and then at the end he goes really low. So the humming was just to get his ear in to do the next verse, but it, it works really well in the song. Like you wouldn't have it, you wouldn't sing it without it. And it was his first number one country song and it got to number 17 on the pop charts um, of the time, um, which was, yeah, 1956. So it was sort of really at the beginnings of 
rock and roll and they were all starting. Elvis was beginning and um, I think Buddy Holly was on the road with them and um, Richie Valen. So all of that early rock and roll, still pretty safe, I guess, in a sense. So, yeah, so that's um, the movie. And then, of course, the um, biopic that was done in 2005 with um, Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. Um, movie was named after this song. Uh, yeah, that's that. Great song. And probably one of his best known songs. Yeah. Tommy, I Walk the Line. Yeah, I think you had this one pretty high too. Yeah, and this is just one of those ones. And it's funny, like these, a couple of his big hits are the ones where you say, well, you hear them all the time. Mm. So maybe they're not the ones that you put on when you do put stuff on there because you put on some of the different stuff, but mm. just great. Great songs and what and and one of those ones that it speaks to everybody. Everybody knows the words. Everybody hums along. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a classic and it's just got that sort of really sort of just almost simple sort of rhythm, but just yeah, gets you going. And um, you know, I love this one. Danny, where did you yeah. uh, walk? I walk the line. I'm not sure, mate. I I can't find my top ten, but um, it would have it definitely would have been in there. Um, I'm glad you brought that up about the humming, actually, Nick, because um. That's my favourite part of the of that song, to be honest. Um, apart from the actual song being, you know, unbelievably good. But yeah, you know, it's amazing that um, it had more. I just thought it was part yeah. of the song. Yeah, very, very nice. Well, guys, we made it. Hold on, Jamie. Hold on. Hold on. Just hold on two <laughs> seconds. Okay. Do you know that? Uh, do you know that Johnny Cash once destroyed a hotel's plumbing system? Oh, <laughs> bit backed up, was he? <laughs> he could have been. He could have been. Yeah. On, co- on cocaine of... and cake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We are at our number one song for Johnny Cash. And I'm uh, sure most probably know what it is. I do now. Tommy, our, our um, special guest is going to tell us about this one, if he would. And it's, I don't know what album it's from. I think it's from an album with the same name. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. how's my research going? Uh, it is the song... By wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire Ring of fire that's that the one. Tom. Yep, no worries. And it's so uh, I think uh, the album that gets the credit here is Ring of Fire, the best of Johnny Cash. Uh, so <laughs> it's sort of funny. That, yeah, it sort of comes out on a, on a best of straight away. But um, yeah, so so what happened was uh, that June and Merle wrote it and they gave it to Anita, who pops up again. Jamie's loving it. Yeah. It's good. And so, um, so Anita recorded it, and then Johnny comes up with this thing that he said, "Oh, I heard that song in a dream, and it had these Mexican horns in the background." And he said, "I'm gonna I let you, like you can you can yeah <laughs> you, you can record it, but if it doesn't become a hit, I'm gonna re-record it." So it goes on. She records it, and it um, doesn't become a hit. And then he he comes in and records it. And uh, yeah, he puts those horns over the top. Um, yeah, which which is like a really distinctive sort of sound, those sort of horns up there. And it gives it that real sort of almost like a Mexican party sort of theme in the background, like uh, which is pretty cool. 
Um, and so did that. It obviously became a, a really big hit. Um, and I just, uh, a couple of different sort of facts about it. I did see, we talked a little bit. Oh, so in 2004, uh, old Merle, who, had, who uh, wrote it, he, um, <laughs> he decided he wanted to uh, license it for a, a hemorrhoid cream commercial and, uh, <laughs> and uh anyway so the uh the people who got uh june's estate because june's credited with a songwriter they they said uh or it puts it nice and says they were not like of mind here and uh they refused to uh, allow the song uh to be uh licensed for the ad but i'm sure that has been many a joke in people's voc- vocabs when uh you know you've been in bali or somewhere like that and uh the old uh, yeah, yeah. so uh, that was good and then we talked about um vivian cash about being you know like how they in the movie they made them quite bitter against each other her and june and this is uh out of her autobiography and it says and because it was always credited as um june writing it with merle uh but she says uh one day in early uh early 1963 while gardening in the yard johnny told me about a song he had just written with merle and curly while out fishing on lake uh Cassitas. And he said, I'm going to give June half the credit on the song I just wrote, Johnny said. I'll call it Ring of Fire. Why, I asked, wiping the dirt from my hands. The mere mention of her name annoyed me. I was sick of hearing about her. She needs the money, he said, avoiding my stare. And I feel sorry for her. Vivian Cash also states, to this day, it confounds me to hear the elaborate details June told of writing that song for Johnny. She didn't write that song any more than I did. The truth is, Johnny wrote that song who, uh, while pilled up and drunk about a certain private female body part. All those years uh, of her claiming she wrote it herself and she probably never knew what the song was really about. And I thought, wow. Wow. Bang there. So, yeah, that was uh, a little bit of an interesting sort of uh, play on that because that's that movie really does that sort of animosity, you know, like, um, and, and yeah, like that's so um, I'm not sure what year that uh, autobiography was uh, written. I think it was later. Yeah. Because I but- read that she went to Johnny and said, this is Vivian. When June died, she went to visit Johnny and said, I would like your permission. I don't know why, but I'm going to re- write my own autobiography. And he said, go for it. Yeah, right. So it must have been like just after they both died and she released the um, her story. Yeah, so I thought that was a bit of a yeah, wow, uh, yeah, a little bit of a controversial sort of end to the to the bit I was reading about the song, but um, yeah, it's a great it, like it is. It's just a great song, and it the the way that they said that June had come up is she found a book that was her uncle's, and it was like a um uh, a book about something, and it had underlined um about the line about the falling into a ring of fire. It was talking about something else, and she had seen that, and that sort of got her going and then she wrote it about sort of falling in love and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and people always took it all as, okay, it was falling in love while she was touring with Johnny and all that kind of, kind of stuff. But then, um, yeah, and then there's that other twist at the end that uh, what the, the wife said, so whether that's true mm, or not. But, um, yeah, just 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 a great song. Did you say um, that June recorded it first, Tommy? Uh, mm. Anita, uh, she wrote it. Anita. And Anita uh, and then she gave it to Anita to record. And John, that must have been when Johnny came in and then he said, okay, I'll let her record it. If it's not a hit, then I'll re-record it. And he'd, he'd said he'd had that he'd had that, um, that sort of vision to do it with the horns. So, um, yeah. So I, wonder if, I wonder if that's available on YouTube or anything yeah, like that. Oh, it's just, yeah. It is. Um, for uh-huh. Anita. Yeah, I listened to it today because she's got a beautiful voice. I fell into, into the burning ring. 
and it burns, 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 burns. The ring of fire, the ring of fire. Um, she doesn't like it's it's just sung in a lovely way, but doesn't mm. have the impact that um, Johnny's oh. version has. Well, she sings on that favorite one of those favorite Johnny Cash songs of mine. That were you there when they crucified my Lord with all the Carter sisters? Yeah, I thought you might know it. I thought it might have been Anita doing the backing vocals on this version. Possibly. It is. I think it says on there that the Carters do the yep. The Carter sisters do the the backing up on it. Yep. Has anyone seen the TikTok going around with this song at the moment? No, no. I haven't, I haven't. It's weird. It's it's just like the horns at the start of the song, and people running like a, along a street with something really weird in their hands, like a dead fish or something <laughs> like. That. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Oh, I like um, it. Yeah. Um, I just uh, wanted to swing back on. I was amused by Mel trying to get it, you know, into it. I was like, is that just a self admission? Like he'd got to that age of his life, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I need to um fund my. <laughs> <laughs> medication yeah. I just think that's really funny he wouldn't have done that as a young man you would think he obviously was needing that himself so so he must he must have performed it live himself and it says that um, Kilgore would often mock dedicate the song to the makers of Preparation H which I presume is, is a cream or something in America <laughs> that they use <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah so Oh, Austin Powers made uh, well known of that preparation. <laughs> hey Jamie, can you can you cut and paste my um my hotel's plumbing system thing to put in a roundabout now? It would work way better. <laughs> yeah. After Ring of Fire, yeah. way better. Um, Danny, did you? Where did you have Ring of Fire? You must have had it in there somewhere. Oh yeah, I would have had it quite low, surely. <clears throat> I agree. Like the the horns, mate, make it for me. Like if you, if you if you already had a couple of beers uh, already in the belly, and this song comes on, you're not sitting still. You you can't you can't sit still. It's an absolute cracker. Very good. And so, Smarty, did you give your thoughts on Ring of Fire? I think you did. Did you? Probably did. I had it at number two, and yeah, love the horn section. I love the backing vocals by the Carter Sisters. Very very nice. Okay, so that's the top uh, ten. Uh, started off with a lot of America, then we got down to the nitty gritty of Johnny Cash and got into some of the older stuff. So, how do you feel about the whole ten guys? Uh, pretty happy with that. Oh, look, yeah, I think there's a few <laughs> good ones that I had that could have been in there a bit earlier, but you know, yeah, you, you, yeah. it's another one that uh, that we always say we could probably do a top twenty or a top or even yeah. more. Mm. Uh, but yeah, only only ten can make it. When I when I uh, sort of saw the top ten songs, I think the first four or five we had weren't in my top ten, and I was like, no. "Oh, I'm going to get the sack." No, nah, that's good. I must have all this different stuff. So, and, but well, that's yeah, I'm, and you can go so many different angles with it. That's the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. Tom, I can tell you, the song that came in at number one wasn't number one until you voted. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, oh. Do tell, Jamie. Hurt was sitting in number one, not by much. It was a very oh. close three horse race. But um, Tommy's votes put uh, Ring of Fire over the top of her. Look at it. Yeah, Controversial. I think, yeah. I think that's a good move. I'm happy with that. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Like I said, I knew, I knew and I did message Jamie when I messaged the list and I said, look, I know that people are going to have a hurt in there. So, uh, yeah, I was sort of uh, preparing <laughs> for that. But, uh, yeah, still a great song. Still it's one of the song. hardest battles that we've always had, Tommy, is uh, trying to, um, you know, sometimes you'll have a band where you know what, 
the main song is for that band and you almost just don't want to put it in that yeah. in the top 10 you know yep. so Mm. Yeah, it becomes so predictable, and and it's they're always the ones you hear the most. Like you hear them so yep. much that you just sort of think, oh, I'll listen to something different, and then something else becomes your favorite. But yeah, you, I mean, you're always going to look. These songs are like the ones that that make them that make them mainstream, if you will. So yeah, and I'm still not sure why some of our accounts we do and some we don't. Like if I take it back to the White Stripes, their number one song, their biggest song was their number one song. But then, like Tommy said, Alive didn't even get a vote. Like I, I still. Yeah. Can't, work yeah. out why we do with some and not others but anyway I th- yeah. yeah i was i reckon too though sometimes those songs you, that you do know really well and you do bypass them but then that ones that the other ones that you know really well are just so good that you still don't get sick of hearing them mm. and you could hear them over and over and you still would pick them but overall sort of off. happy yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh very happy anytime you listen <laughs> to johnny cash you gotta be happy. happy yeah danny you happy yeah i'm happy are you happy yeah. You sure? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not so sure. That brings us to the end of another count. Uh, okay. Firstly, uh, a big thanks to our special guests joining us on a weeknight of all things. And I, and I think you're doing it from work too. So how's the commitment, guys? You could learn a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing mine from work too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, no, we, we certainly appreciate your time. Uh, it's really good of you to join us, Tommy. Uh, nice thanks, Tommy. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me. I love the show. So it's awesome to be on. So thank you. Remember, Spotify, Apple Pods, they're our two big players amongst others. Um, And if you want to ask us anything or get put anything up on the page, uh, Facebook's a way to go usually. We can help a brother or a sister out there. Um, Next week, we are not resting on our laurels. We are jumping from one megastar to another. Uh, And we have another special guest on. And in an M. Night uh, Shimlin type twist, Big Sister is going to do what her little sister done. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's Very it right. here. Okay. Well, thanks, IBC members. See you next episode. It's going to be king. Uh, Tommy, we've got the trumpet there, will you? And uh, uh, Smarty, you get the bass voice going, okay? <laughs> Can do. <laughs> All right. See you, guys. Uh, just a sec. Okay. Are oh, you saying goodbye for the podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mic drop. <laughs> Love is a burning thing. And it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire. I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. fire. (laughs) (laughs) Horrendously. I tried to do it so deep. (laughs) (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs>